Shalom, shalom, and welcome to another episode of God's Little Hummingbird, the podcast where we are reading through the Bible from the beginning to the end using the original languages as a guide. Today we are in chapter 19 of the book of Leviticus, reading from the New King James Version Bible, and I absolutely love this chapter. This is the one that proves (laughs) that not only, it's not only the Ten Commandments. I mean, there's so many chapters that prove that. But this chapter in particular proves that, no, we don't just have the Ten Commandments. I'll show you why. Let's read, and you're going to see some of the best verses ever in here, and it's just so exciting. Okay, chapter 19, verse 1. Lord, please, please, please open our eyes and heart to your truth first. Okay. Um, and Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, Yahweh, your God, am holy. The word holy is kadosh, which means set apart, different from, separate from. Okay? Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father and keep my Sabbaths. Whose Sabbaths? He's Yahweh, speak, God speaking. He says, Keep my Sabbaths. I'm Yahweh, your God. It doesn't say it's a Jewish Sabbath. It doesn't say it's for the Jews or the Israelites. It doesn't say it's just for the Gentiles. It says it's his Sabbath. And we've obviously pointed that verse out many times, those verses out that say that. But here it is again. There's no question that you don't just get to pick a Sabbath because people always say, Oh, I respect your Sabbath. <laughs> no, Saturday's not my Sabbath. It's God's Sabbath. He's the one who says it over and over and over and over and over. Okay. Let's keep reading. Verse 4. Do not turn to idols, nor make for yourselves molded gods. I am Yahweh your God. I am Yahweh your Elohim. I am the Lord your God. And if you offer a sacrifice of a peace offering to Yahweh, you shall offer it of your own free will. So don't be forced to do it. Do it because it's in your heart. It shall be eaten the same day you offer it, and on the next day, and if any remains until the third day, it shall be burned in the fire. Okay, so we don't have the temple right now, but when we do, just remember that. Whoa, that wind is blowing, sorry. And it if, is, if it is eaten at all on the third day, it's an abomination, it shall not be accepted. Therefore, everyone who eats it shall bear his iniquity because he has profaned the hallowed offering or the holy offering of Yahweh. And that person shall be cut off from his people. So on the Thanksgiving offering, it's for two days you can eat it, the third you're not supposed to. Now here, let me point out spiritually how that applies to us often. Remember, you need to each day like the altar of your heart on fire, you know, the burnt offering, the morning and the evening. And so here, when you're doing the peace offering, it's every three days, you make sure you're, you're just make sure you're cultivating the altar, the fire on the altar of your heart. That's for thankfulness and gratefulness and just, just so full of awe and wonder at what God has done for you. Okay. Don't take it for granted. Don't get lackadaisical. Don't get lukewarm. And, and remember Revelation says, if you're lukewarm, you'll get vomited out (laughs) by Jesus, Yeshua. So that's how this kind of applies to us. We, we really want to just make sure that, um, that we're taking time to cultivate gratefulness and thankfulness to God and keeping the peace between him and us. Just a good lesson in that. Okay, when you reap, verse 9, I love this one. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. That means you don't go through and get every little single head of grain or every single little vegetable, every little zucchini, right? What are you supposed to do with it? Here's what. And you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger or the Gentile. I am Yahweh, your Elohim. So, see, this isn't the tithe. This is just giving to the poor. Don't use everything for yourself. And again, I think this could apply spiritually to your money. Don't take everything for yourself and forget God's people. Okay? So when you have a farm or a garden, 
this really applies. <laughs> but I think you can think of it in other ways too. Whatever God gives you, make sure you just don't greedily use it all for yourself. Use it for his kingdom and help his people out. I love that verse. Verse 11, you shall not steal, nor deal falsely, nor lie to one another. Okay? We're not supposed to lie. I mean, I think that's pretty self-explanatory, but don't deal falsely. Don't lie. Don't don't say you're going to do something. Not Don't trick people. If you do those things, you just aren't having the Spirit of God in you because the Spirit of God leads us in the Torah, in the truth. Verse 12, and you shall not swear by my name falsely, nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am Yahweh. So don't take his name in vain. Don't, don't profane it. If you call yourself a believer, if you say you follow him, then you better act like it. You shall not cheat your neighbor nor rob him. The wages of him who is hired shall not remain with you all night until morning. So this is how my husband and I function, and I hope you do as well. If somebody needs their money, it says you don't keep it until morning if they need it. You don't, you don't rob them. You don't cheat them. And if they need it, you give it to them. And so my employees were always told that you can have your check any day you need it. <laughs> And my husband does the same. If somebody needs a check, we just cut them the check that day. Now, some people don't want to get paid every day. They would rather get paid every two weeks. And that's fine, too, if that's an agreement between the two of you. But don't hold it back from him. Basically, be merciful. God desires mercy. Verse 14, you shall not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but shall fear your Elohim, your God, I am Yahweh. Now, this pertains spiritually to a lot of people. Because the deaf, remember it says over and over, if you read Isaiah, if you read any of the prophets, it says, who is deaf but my servant, who is blind but my people. And it talks about his children of Israel being spiritually blind and deaf, okay? Now, if you're a pastor and you're teaching them lies and they're already blind and deaf and you cause them to stumble, and that puts a curse upon themselves because they chose to sin and do something incorrectly because you taught them incorrectly, you're in grave danger. And so what you have to be sure of is that you don't put a stumbling block for the deaf and the blind, but you help them to get to the place where they can hear and see. Speak truth to them. Help them. And so many people, they prey upon these people, and they get their tithe, so to speak, because the tithe is not even money. <laughs> We've already read that before. We've, but um, they take their money, claiming they'll be blessed if you give to them. And these people have a heart kind of that wants God, but they're blind and they're deaf and they can't hear. And so they're stumbling because these people are teaching them falsely and they just, um, it, it, it's going to be a bad thing for those pastors that do that <laughs> because they're not helping them to see or to hear. And it keeps them stumbling because the pastors keep saying, well, you don't have to obey God anymore. You don't have to do what he says. And they function in the antinomian lawless spirit, the antichrist spirit, the one who teaches lawlessness. And we're told that in the New Testament. So why would they function in that spirit? It's like they can't see or hear because <laughs> It says very specifically that the Antichrist is the man of lawlessness, the man against the law. So they're teaching people not to obey the law and that they no longer have to, which we've read a million verses already that prove that incorrect, right? Because <laughs> it says forever these laws stand for any Jew or Gentile, for any Israelite or Gentile. So just make sure when you're helping God's people that you help them to actually see and hear. Don't don't prey upon them and make them don't make them have a curse because they sin because you are the law brings a blessing or a curse. And if you obey it, you get a blessing. If you don't, you get a curse. Okay. You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. In righteousness, you shall judge your neighbor. So don't just, which um, I see a lot of people do, they just kind of pity the poor and, and give favor to them. Or they give preference to these people who they feel are something because they have money. You're not supposed to do that. You're just supposed to hear and judge 
righteously. Like what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. It doesn't matter if you have money or if you're poor. If the poor man stole, he's wrong. If the rich man stole, he's wrong. It doesn't matter who you are. Just do what's right and, and judge rightly. Verse 16, you shall not go about as a talebearer among your people, nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am Yahweh. Let's don't ever pray that God would take somebody's life, basically. Don't stand against that life of the neighbor because you are forgetting then that your own doo-doo stinks. And a talebearer is just telling everybody's business. You don't need to be doing that. You, verse 17, I love this. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. In the same verse, it says, don't hate your brother and rebuke him if you see him sin. Because that is love. The church doesn't understand because they'll say, oh, don't judge, don't judge. It's not whatever it says. It, there's so many verses that say judge his people, but with God's judgments. We're not to make up our own judgments. We're to use the judgments of God himself. It's not being judgmental when you just say, God said this is wrong. You're actually sparing them and you're rebuking your neighbor. It specifically says you shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. Rebuke him if you see him sin. That's love. Because it says you shall not hate your brother in your heart. So that's another thing. And I, you know, we all have struggled with that, right? When somebody does wrong to us, we feel that hateful feeling. God says, don't, 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 don't. You shall not take vengeance, <laughs> nor shall, nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am Yahweh. Huh. So on all of the law hang these two commandments, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Here is where that comes from. It's not in the Ten Commandments. It's not in Exodus chapter 20. So don't believe them that say, oh, you only have to obey the Ten Commandments. No, this is right here in the middle of Leviticus called the heart of Torah, this section right here. And it's where you had to start to even enter the presence of God. These are the hardest laws because our hearts are so evil. We are not to take vengeance. That means you don't get back at somebody. You're not to bear a grudge against the children of your People, that's hard when somebody hurts you not to bear a grudge. To be forgiving is what it's saying. To forgive them, not to hold bad feelings. That's hard. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Because ultimately, when you mess up, you want forgiven. So you need to make sure you show that, okay? And this is why? Because I am Yahweh. I pray God helps us all on that one. That's kind of the hardest ones <laughs> for us. For me, in particular, when I get hurt by people, I still love them or do anything for them. But I bear a grudge sometimes, and that's sin, and I need to overcome that. And I do work on overcoming that and not ever harboring that. You shall keep my statutes, <laughs> sorry, verse 19. You shall keep my statutes. You shall not let your livestock breed with another kind. You shall not sow your field with mixed seed, nor shall a garment of mixed linen and wool come upon you. Now, the word there for the Hebrew word for the, the garment of mixed fabrics, and there's another verse in, Le- in Deuteronomy that we'll read, is shatnes. So you're not supposed to wear fabric of two different sorts blended together. It doesn't say you can't have an embroidered thing on it because there is embroidery in the temple garments and the priestly garments. It was that two fabrics like linen and wool couldn't be woven together. And that was the example they give here because that's what they had. That's what they used. But it would be like polyester and cotton. Um, and, 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 and so the word shatnez just means any two fibers mixed together. And the reason for that, when I asked Father God, and it was that we are to be clothed in righteousness that looks separate from the world. We're not supposed to be blended in, so to speak. We're not supposed to mix with the world. We're supposed to be pure and holy. And reminding ourselves that we're 100% purely clothed in righteousness is a really good picture. We aren't to blend 
we aren't to blend in. We're not to join part of the Gentile ways with what we're doing and cover ourselves with that. And part of God's ways is supposed to be all for him. Now, the livestock, that would be like, think of a mule. A mule is sterile because they were bred a donkey and a horse and they weren't meant to breed. We're not supposed to do that. And the same thing with your um, garden. Now, if you are a gardener and you save your seed, you know what I'm talking about because you can't cross your seed or you won't get the same vegetable next year. It will actually create a sterile plant and perhaps just the next year create um, a weird variant of a plant that's not even really identifiable. Sometimes you get these really weird looking squash and stuff and then, then it won't grow true to type and sometimes it won't even produce after that the second year. And so God wants us to keep things pure. His people are separate from not his people and we don't blend in with the world. And our clothing, we're told many times in scripture, um, is symbolic of um, what we're covered in, his righteous acts. Linen in in particular, but our clothing in in particular. Remember the man who tried to come into the wedding ceremony in the book of Matthew? And he was naked and he got kicked out because he didn't have on any clothing. And so when I prayed about this verse, that's what God told me, that it was just supposed to, we're supposed to be clothed, (laughs) supposed to be clothed purely in him. So I just love that picture. Okay, verse 20, whoever lies carnally with a woman who is betrothed to a man as a concubine and who has not at all been redeemed nor given her freedom, for this there shall be scourging, but they shall not be put to death because she was not free. So this is a woman who was engaged to another man as as a concubine, but she hasn't been given to him yet. They haven't gotten married. And so then if you had found this woman and then you slept with her, um, you, you would be beaten, but there wouldn't be death because, um, I mean, technically she wasn't with the other man yet. And so God honored, like wanted that covenant that she was betrothed to the man honored. And so that it was still wrong what the person did, but it wasn't worthy of death. Now, remember, um, John talks about that. Paul talks about that. Some sins are deserving of death. Others are not. And so we pray for those people. Some of these sins seem so foreign to us, but it really isn't. We just in America and we as humans have taken God's grace just and just trampled it. And we, we don't honor our word anymore. We, we think so lightly of our deeds and we forget that all of the heavens and the earth were created by speaking. And we're also told the power of life and death is in the tongue in the Psalms. And so one of the things that has happened is that we have taught that dating is okay and just kind of trying out and playing the field. And then we don't let our yes be yes or no, no, and we don't keep our word and our covenant. We just change our minds. But see, God's not like that. God is righteous, and what he speaks, he means. And so we are supposed to be careful, slow down, think before we speak and act and pray about things for his guidance. We're not supposed to just be flippant with our actions or our deeds or our words. And we, just because we now take it lightly, doesn't mean he's going to excuse that behavior. So, Think about it. If you were engaged to somebody and you broke off that engagement and decided to go with somebody else, I mean, it <laughs> you just have to be careful. We, we, we have, it's not always the right thing. We shouldn't have been engaged to the person in the first place, I guess, if they were the wrong person. But sometimes you just had a hard heart. <laughs> it wasn't necessarily that they were the wrong person. It was that you had a hard heart. So I know it's hard for people to sometimes humble ourselves and accept this, but this is where, like I was talking about in a few podcasts back, 
when you really come and understand God and his love and his grace, it really puts you in that place of humility where you realize our wretchedness. We don't defend our wretchedness. We repent of our wretchedness. And that's when you really know him. Okay, verse 21. And he shall bring his trespass offering to Yahweh to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. A ram is a trespass offering. So it cost him too. He got beaten and that uh, and, and had to pay the offering price. The priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of the trespass offering before Yahweh for his sin which he has committed, and the sin which he has committed shall be forgiven him. When you come into the land, so this is when we go to Israel again, and you have planted all kinds of trees for food, then you shall count their field. Their fruit is uncircumcised. For three years it shall be as uncircumcised to you. It shall not be eaten. So for three years after you plant a tree, you're not supposed to eat the fruit. But in the fourth year, all its fruit shall be holy, a praise to Yahweh. And in the fifth year, you may eat its fruit, that it may yield to you its increase. I am Yahweh, your God. That's kind of beautiful. That's just a beautiful picture uh, of so many things. But when you plant a tree and it's growing, the first three years are uncircumcised. The fourth year is the whole year. And the fifth year, you finally get to eat it. And if you've ever, well, those of you who are walking with God and if you've come to Torah, it's weird how your life will mimic and mirror this. It's like the first three years, you're, you're just this baby <laughs> and you're growing so much that, that, and then the fourth year, it's like this understanding happens. The same thing happens in fasting. For three days, you break your flesh and on the fourth day, it's kind of like this freedom happens. You just feel this release. And on the fifth day, when you're fasting, it's like you've entered a whole new place. Same thing with this tree here. So... You know, and with your own life growing spiritually. So you have these three years where you're really being refined and tested and pruned and grown by Yahweh. And then the fourth year, you finally start to get some comprehension. You're kind of like past that baby stage. And in the fifth year, which remember the five is also symbolic of the books of Torah, it's like this new enlightened understanding happens. It's not that you're perfect. <laughs> it's not that. It's just that this maturity hits you where now it's like you're, you're bearing more fruit. You're more useful to the kingdom. You should be. <laughs> I'm not saying everybody is. But it's a beautiful picture. And the number five represents Torah, the five books of the teaching and instructions. Torah means teaching and instructions. Some people translate it inaccurately as law. That's the word that. That's not the word Torah. Torah really means teaching and instructions. It's our instruction guide, our manual for how to function as God's people. Verse 26, you shall not eat anything with the blood. <laughs> Again, <laughs> we've read this a lot of chapters, huh? Nor shall you practice divination or soothsaying. Okay, stay away from those tarot cards, magic, astrology, anything like that. You shall not shave around the sides of your head, nor shall you disfigure the edges of your beard. So men, you are to have a beard. You're not to, this word disfigure here means to mar or damage. Um, you are not to do that. Some people feel that that means you can't even trim it up. I don't believe that because in the book of Ezekiel, it talks about that the priests were supposed to keep trimmed and kempt. Um, so I don't feel like it means you can't trim it. I could be incorrect, but I feel it does mean you're not to disfigure and mar it in a way. It also means like not to have a goatee because that is marring it. You're disfiguring it. And I know every dream God shows me where people are, when the man is not obeying and they're being a goat or rebellious, they always have a goatee. And the men who are obedient in the dreams have a beard. And the men who are not obedient in a lot of areas are completely clean-shaven. So just remember, men, um, keep your beards. Then how long you grow it, I, I really feel it's okay to trim it because Ezekiel talks about that. But I don't want to judge you if you feel like to keep it, <laughs> if you feel that's disfiguring the edges as well. I just need to, that's one of those things where the spirit leads. We don't 
we don't um, squabble and quibble about the trivial matters of the law because those are not the weightier issues. And if you're obeying it, you're obeying it. But if you have a goatee, I will guarantee you're not obeying it. And if you're clean shaven, you're not obeying it. Um, also, the shaving around the sides of your head, that was more in rituals that were Babylonian in tradition and, and pagan priests did that. And the Catholic monks do it now. So remember the Catholic Church adopted many of Babylon's traditions. And if you remember that bowl cut hair shape around their head, and then they do this weird shaving that actually was a pagan tradition. And God says, no, no, I don't want that. Verse 28, you shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor tattoo any marks on you. <laughs> nor tattoo any marks on you. doesn't say this for the dead. You're not supposed to make any tattoos on you. Our bodies, God made his temple. We don't need to defile it. I am Yahweh. Do not prostitute your daughter to cause her to be a harlot, lest the land fall into harlotry and the land become full of wickedness. So no prostitution and no sleeping around. <laughs> No sex outside of marriage, you know, that kind of stuff. You shall keep my Sabbaths. In reference, my sanctuary, I am Yahweh. Hmm. It's not just the Israelite Sabbath. It's not just my Sabbath. It's his. He says it. It's mine. He says. When he's talking, he calls it his. Give no regard to mediums and familiar spirits. Do not seek after them. To be defiled by them, I am Yahweh, your God. You cannot speak to the dead. That's what a familiar spirit is. It's a family spirit, something you're familiar with. Do not talk to the dead. You shall also you shall rise before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man and fear your God. I am Yahweh. America has lost that. We need to reverence the elderly. Revere the elderly. Give them reverence. I spoke wrong. And if a stranger or a Gentile dwells with you in your land, you shall not mistreat him. He's to be treated just like a native-born. We're told that in Ezekiel as well. Ezekiel 47. The stranger who dwells among you, listen, shall be to you as one born among you, as a native born. And you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt, I mean, Yahweh your God. So any Gentile who wanted to join to Israel became an Israelite. Remember, we are told by Paul, we're grafted in. My family was blood Levites, but my point is, if you weren't a blood Levite, you were grafted in. If you weren't a blood Israelite, you were grafted in, even if you were a Gentile. It doesn't matter to God. You just have to follow these rules. You first get saved and you follow these rules and you're an Israelite too. You shall do no injustice in judgment, in measurement of length, weight, or volume. So be fair. You shall have honest scales, honest weights, an honest ephah, and an honest hand. Those are weights of measurement. I am Yahweh your Elohim, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe all my statutes and all my judgments and perform them. I am Yahweh. That chapter is one of my favorite chapters in the whole, whole Bible. Okay, love you guys. Have a blessed day.